Okay. Amen. Amen. I love that that last song that we sang. All of them are good, but I really especially have a deep appreciation for that last one. How many of the rest of you feel the same way? Amen. <clears throat> what our hearts always long for. Um, I'm going to continue on in the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, and this one, this week is on peace. I want you to look into Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with their passions and desires. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just want to say thank you again. Tremendous, Lord. A world in which we live where so many do not have the freedom and the privilege that we do here right now and today. But they still with persecution, with the threat of their lives, remain faithful to gather together with one another. Lord, they've discovered the cost and the value of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, so much so that they're willing under the threat of their own lives to remain faithful to you and toward one another. And so God, today I want to remember that, that what a blessing we have. Lord, sometimes we take for granted We can come when we want to. We can leave when we want to. And all of that is true. But the reality is there's something that secures the desire to be here more than desire not to be. And so, Father, there's a a group of my brothers and sisters that are not here today. And, Lord, I just want to pray for them as well as for those who are here, that, God, that you would inspire their lives toward your will, toward your purpose and plan, Lord, individually and together. Lord, it's amazing what you do in bringing us together of one mind and one heart and what you accomplish through a multitude of people that have the single focus and your focus, Lord. So today, Jesus, we want to lift that up. Lord, we want to magnify and pray. Lord, bring us all within and under the Lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to thank you for this message as you've just put it in my heart. I pray, Lord, that you will make this not just something we recognize and remember through the week, but I pray individually everybody would take something home with them in their life, and their relationship to you, and how they know you, Lord. God, would you spawn a a newness in our life. Take us to a new level of glory because we've spent time in the presence of the Lord. And God, you've refocused us, and you drew us into, Lord, what you mean by peace. Lord, not as the world calls peace, but as you call peace. And Lord, help us know the difference between the two and live what it means to have peace with God. We love you and thank you, Jesus, as you inspire us today as you move our hearts toward heaven and into your kingdom in a deeper way than we've ever known. And Lord, I just trust you today, Lord, that you're going to do mighty things in the name of Jesus. Powerful things in that name which is above every name, and at that name every knee bows and every tongue confess. That you are Lord to the glory of God. And there is no greater name but the name of Jesus. So Lord, help us today to receive from the power of Jesus' name. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
It's a good thing I get started and I don't get too far in the head. You might not get a message, you just get a prayer. (laughs) Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles or on your phones, wherever you're at there, on Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through uh, 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42. I think this story here depicts as well as anyone in the Bible what Jesus wants us to know about peace, this fruit of the Spirit of peace. And so, just give me the privilege. You guys can say amen anytime you want to say amen. I'm good with it. Uh, As a matter of fact, it encourages me. If I hit a point that's sweet to you, and if you just want to say amen to get me all fired up on something I haven't got yet, let's just do it. I just love that and uh, encourage you guys just to let me know. Now, and again, just raise your hand if you want to repeat on something. I, I want to make sure especially those taking note, those of you who are wanting to just remember these things, that we can do that. Amen? So if there's anything to repeat, just let me know. Uh, Now it happened, as they went, that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Just really want to get into this. I want you to realize that in this, this portion of Scripture, Jesus doesn't even address Mary. She's doing the thing that Jesus wants, and He doesn't even talk to her. And I don't think it's because He's not have a special regard. I think basically she found her peace at the footstool of Jesus. But there's somebody that's on the outside looking in. And you remember, Jesus said, He leaves the 90 in line, 99 and He goes and looks for the one. And here's the one that's missing the purpose. And, and the comfort that God gives. And so we're going to continue to think about this part of it. And so I just take some time to reflect on some things that were happening in, in Martha's life here. So one of the key focuses here is we're moving from the idea of peace. We're also thinking about, well, what is it that people are struggling with? If they don't have the peace, what is, what's on the opposite side of that? And it's worry. It's anxiety. And, you know, this season we would like to think that Everybody is not having worries, but having a time of thanksgiving. And this is a time of peace in the holiday seasons. But most of us know that's not the reality in our world. There's a good number of people that this is the most difficult time of the year for so many of them. Whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever. And so worry is interfering with so much of life right now. And so we look at this life of Martha And I want you to think about this because she wasn't worried about traumatizing things or uh, somebody's life or death situation. Later on, they would face that. But she was worried about the things that she had that she cared for that were good things. Her anxiety was built around good things. Serving and serving others, doing good. I'm sure that when Jesus entered into the house, I don't know about you, but I'd like to be the first one to serve him. Lord, let me get for you what you need. Let me take care of all of your concerns. And I imagine that was a part of this. 
And some of us have got better at trying to serve him than we are at sitting at his feet. And that's the bigger issue here. So let me say a few things about worry. This is not a worry as a feeling. This is worry as an exchange or as a devotion. So she's exchanging something that she could have by allowing this worry and this anxiety. Jesus says, you are troubled about many things. So she's distracted and troubled with whatever it is. And I don't know that Jesus is specifying that whatever she's doing in the moment is what she's troubled about, but he's saying many things in your life. And isn't it true that once we begin to worry about one thing, we find a whole flood of other things to worry about in the same. So I want to I really focus in on this idea that any feeling or emotion that comes and goes without changing or altering our course of action is normal to all of us. It's not that, that Jesus is trying to deliver us from the feeling of worry because we're going to have in our faith and our life with God, we're going to have times when worry hits us as an emotion. But where the problem lies is that we are here only warned and rebuked for those things or feelings or emotions that are given such place as to alter our choices and to prevent our devotion to Christ. So it's that worry that you begin to devote yourself to. It's not just the feeling. Folks, go ahead and allow for the feelings, but don't devote yourself to the feeling. But once the feeling begins to dominate in such a way that now I'm going to let that control my judgment and my decisions going forward, that's where the problem lies. And so we see this when Jesus is talking to Mary or Martha because listen to what she does out of this fear and this worry in her heart. She says, to, Lord, do you not care? Of all people that she could say that to, that she would literally say that to Jesus. But there's a whole world all around us, folks, that a lot of people feel like the circumstances, the struggles that they've faced in life, that that is their reply. It feels like God doesn't care. The Lord is not there. So this isn't just a Martha thing. This is our world that we live in. Whenever you face discouragement, how tempted we are to blame the Lord. Because in our mind's eye, we think if He's sovereign and omnipotent and all-powerful, why would the God that has all power that could deliver me at any situation at any time, why would He choose to let me go through this anyway? And I think that that's the reason why people say, I don't understand. If you have the power to unlock this, this, this uh, prison, or you have the power to change the circumstance in my life, why don't you just do it? If you loved me and cared for me, why would you allow this in my life? And I think that's the complexity of people that don't understand the heart that's in Jesus himself. There's never a time the Lord sets by in our anguish and doesn't care for us immensely in ways that we don't realize. But interesting that the people who carry those accusations against the Lord also are the ones who don't take time to pray and spend time at the feet of Jesus to learn his love and be comforted by his peace. It's as if they were trying to say is, Lord, I'm not really looking for the comfort that resides in your presence. I'm looking for the comfort that comes in the changes that happen in my life. I just want changes on the outside. I don't necessarily want a deeper relationship with you. The sacrifice is that oftentimes the desire to have something more at ease in life is to lose the privilege of our deep and endearing union to our Lord and Savior. And Jesus knows that for most of us, it's not the safest direction to take 
in order to give us a path of ease. But sometimes the best thing in our life is the most difficult thing draws us closer to God. How many of you can say along with me that when things got really hard, that's when I prayed the, the most. That's when I sought God like I never sought Him before. I got, some, I got some amens out there. Amen. There we go. We know that the Lord has a way of drawing our hearts. We have a tenderness when things are difficult. Worry in this way becomes a devotion. Just like Martha, worry as a devotion affects our judgments and treatment of others and God contrary to what is both ethical and pure. So Jesus accused, Martha accused Jesus and she also was making a statement about her sister. Basically, the same statement in a different way. The idea behind it is my sister doesn't care enough about me personally to get out and help me with all of the duties and labors behind serving and doing what is good, and she's overlooking me just to spend time with you. And it's as if she had emphasized the importance of herself above the importance of Jesus. Worry often takes the form of feeling rejected and overlooked. And we see that in in verse 40. It's like she felt rejected and overlooked in this time. And I think that's part of what Jesus is saying. You're troubled about many things because this has become a pattern for life. Whereas it gains a stronghold over our minds can criminalize others by not taking our side. Now those are some good points out there. So if any want me to restate them, I will. Worry as it gains a stronghold over our minds can criminalize others for not taking our side. Have you been on the opposite side of that fence? Where it seems like, man, you you treat me like I'm the one that has the problem. And I'm just surrendering to what God's will is. I I love the story of David with Goliath. And it says his brothers, they, they said, we know the naughtiness of your heart. You just come to spy everything out. And David's like, what is this that you're blaming me for? I'm just actually looking at this giant and I'm reminded that God is greater than he is. But sometimes in, in order to live the way God wants, you have to realize you're an open door to somebody's criticism. But live for the Lord anyway. And I want to pay very close attention to how Jesus treats Martha in this situation. You know, Jesus is the one receiving accusation. And I, I, want, to take, I want to take note from my Lord's life and what he did. With Martha, he says, Martha, Martha. Now, we could, we could create a tone out of this, couldn't we? We could say, Martha, Martha. But that's not the way Jesus was doing it. Martha, Martha. But it's a tenderness the Lord approaches her. He speaks to her plainly, but he, he, he speaks with a tenderness. You are worried and troubled about many things. You know, some of us have a hard time letting that... Um, that rebuke and that plainness of speech be given to us. But Jesus does it with tenderness because He loves her and He cares about her. And even though He knows, in a sense, that He's, in a way, He's been betrayed by this worry in her life, yet still He's going to love her through this. 
Even His rebuke is cast with gentleness and love. He rebukes even with the fruit of the Spirit in Him. And it's powerful because I believe Jesus rebukes Pharisees different than He rebukes the tenderness of His own children, the tenderness of His own people. And so sometimes you hear somebody say, the Lord just like hit me up beside the side of the head. And maybe that's the case with some, but I think sometimes we misunderstand really the Lord's intention behind His rebuke to us. And the rebuke is to remind us of something that's more important. So we find Jesus uh, and that we find Mary doing something very unique. And it says that uh, here in the scripture, Jesus sat, I mean, sorry, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard, her, and heard his word. Interestingly, she didn't just listen to what he was saying. She sat down to listen to what he was saying. And I think that's profound to me because some of us, this is the way we go with God. We're on our way out. Lord, if you can just, I got 15 minutes, if you can just hurry it up here, and then I can get out the door. I, I, I got it, I got, I'm busy. I got life happening here. Maybe you're that Martha in this story. I got a lot of, I got a lot of things to cover and ground to cover today, and I just don't have time for you today. And so we, we have this, posture of sitting. When I sit down, folks, and I'm sure the most of you, it's because you intend to be there for a little while. I'm giving my full attention and my time to this. I'm devoting myself specifically to what I'm sitting down for. If I'm still standing, like if I go to your house, you're talking to me, and I'm standing, I'm giving you the impression, especially if I'm standing by the door, I'm ready to go. You know, there's some people that 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 doesn't matter to them. Like, they don't care if you're going to stand by the door. They're, like, going to keep talking anyway. Like, you, you can open the door, walk out, and they're still talking to you. And so, I, but that's not the way the Lord is operating in this situation. And her attitude was, I'm going to sit and listen. And so what I say is listening, when it's the way God wants it to be, listening is always with a posture. Let me just say that one more time. Listening is with a posture. Let's hear, let's all of us say it together. With a posture. I want to hear it one more time. With a posture. Listening is with a posture. So in her, her attitude behind her listening was an attitude of loyalty. Mary represents not just absence, but presence. In the presence of peace always includes the absence of anxiety as a devotion. And I want to emphasize anxiety as a devotion. You're not, it, it excludes. When the peace of God is in your life, you cannot devote yourself to anxiety and fear. That's so important. If there's anything I want, I want you to get out of this sermon, is that you can't devote yourself to worries and fears in life if the peace of God is preserving you. Because your commitment is elsewhere. The commitment of your life and your heart belongs to Him. And the peace is the overflow of that. God can't intermix His peace with worries because the devotion and the attention is to something else. So here we have in John chapter 14, verse 27, if you'll turn there. 
So Mary represents not just absence, but presence. So the presence of peace, the absence of anxiety. Let's read this verse together. I'll wait for you to when you're done turning. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Notice he says, my peace I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. I, I love the intermixing of that right there in Scripture. Again, here, peace, not just worry or anxiety, is not represented as a feeling that comes and goes. This peace is attached to something. The true peace of God harmonizes with our judgment and treatment of others and God. What Jesus was saying was just to Martha. Mary was not intermixed with the trouble that she was having in judging badly either the Lord or her sister. Now, we don't have a remark from Mary, but we can assume that Mary wouldn't have made the same exchange with Martha as she did with her. And that's pretty powerful because there's a part of this that's absent. And there's an absence of treating others and God in a way that is accusative. The peace of God leaves us having no need to generate personal happiness. I'm going to say that one more time. The peace of God does not leave us having to need to generate personal happiness based on the approval of others. I wonder if in Martha's mindset that she felt like, because she's like, Lord, do you not care? It's as if my personal happiness rides on you telling my sister to get up and serve me, to leave your side and leave me. This is a world we're living in today. The world we're living in is based on, and many in the church are struggling with it too, is that our sense of self-value and worth is based on the approval of other people. And not a one of us, the truth is not a one of us want rejection from one another. I mean, that's a hard thing when we're rejected from one another. And so many people equate, you know what, this isn't a church that I want to be a part of if I'm rejected by that church. And I understand that. But in, in Jesus' eyes, I think many problems that exist here are not due to the treatment that we receive. It's the way that we look at people and how we feel about ourselves after we've received that treatment. So at some point, we have to give up on this business of, I want to be accepted with individuals more than I care about my time and acceptance with God. And what I say is, I think in some ways, the Lord allows for this because it becomes an idolatry in our lives that we have to repent of. Martha was in a place of need of repentance. And this is where it's really tender because our feelings feel rejected and we still have to repent because it's the fact that we've rejected the Lord and we want acceptance from man. That's a good one if you want to write that one down. <laughs> So one other thought here, the more acute our struggle here, the greater our need to sit and listen. The more difficulty we have with the approval of others, the more we need to spend time with Jesus. Pretty simple. 
The peace of God liberates you to leave others to their worries and not to love them the less for it. You know, sometimes it feels like you're trying to portray your worry on me and it's hard to love you through that. But the idea is I'm going to love you just as well. I'm going to love you faithfully, but I'm going to leave you to your worries. If you won't receive the counsel that God has for you, there's not mine going to do you any good. It's not going to help you. And so there's times where we have to let people do their worries. And we don't want to, but the reality is they have to at times. And we're going to love them despite that. And you see this story, this idea in, in Mary is as if she's completely oblivious to anything that's happening in Martha. I think that's a part of what Jesus does in our time spent with him. I love what Jesus says in verse 42. Let's go there. In Luke chapter 10, verse 42. But one thing is needed. Jesus makes that statement. But one thing. So I'm going to break this verse down into different parts. But one thing is needed. It's pretty powerful that Jesus just takes it down to one thing. The greatest threat to our faith in Christ is not whether we have peace or not, but what it is founded on. Can I get an amen for that? It's what your peace is found on. Some people have a lot of peace, and this is why it's really important that I'm not preaching peace. I'm preaching a unity to Christ, and in that unity and that oneness with the Lord, that your peace comes from Him. Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. So we have to know that that's the peace that God wants us to have. He doesn't just want us to have peace. And in, in a sense, listen to me, the devil would like for you to have peace. He would like to have you, you have a peace disassociated from the Lord. As long as life is happy for you and you have peace, you're in the greatest danger. Can I get an amen on that one? I'm hearing mm hmm, so I want to hear amen. <laughs> amen. There we go. You're in the greatest danger in those moments. So our peace is founded in Him. I don't want to settle for any other peace. You can call it out even when you pray. Call it out. Devil, I will not settle for a peace. I will never settle for a peace that disassociates me with my Savior. My peace will remain in Him. If there's any peace outside of my Jesus, I renounce it. I renounce that kind of peace. I would rather troubled water to remind me and elevate the reality that I need to seek His face as a part of His chastening in my life than to have peace in life without Him. Lord, I love You too much to have the wrong kind of peace. Jesus saw in Martha a care for good things and an anxiety that came with it for which she had forsaken her Lord and the peace that follows. Let me just say that one more time. Jesus saw in Martha a care for good things and an anxiety that came with it. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes our care for good things is, a, is where our anxiety comes out of. For which she had forsaken her Lord and the peace that follows. I'm just going to be plain. That's where we need to be focused now. Is Where are we with Jesus? Where are we just with Him? Because that's the determining, no matter what my emotional state is, no matter how I feel in life, that's the most important. Am I right with God right now? 
Are there things in my life, in my world, that I am tolerating that are so far from the Bible and what God wants for me? Because that's the bigger question. Not do I have peace. Because if I can have peace and I can tolerate things that are wrong, I've got trouble. I've got real trouble. And Mary has chosen that good part. So still in verse 42, kind of what I call B, like the middle of verse 42. And Mary has chosen that good part. Mary wasn't exempt from temptation. She was preserved from it. I was expecting an amen on that one. She wasn't exempt from temptation. She was preserved from it. Meaning this, that all of us are going to go through times of temptation. The promise of God doesn't secure for you that you will never feel temptation again by being in the middle of His will that you'll never sense or be bombarded with temptation. The promise of God is as you remain faithful to Jesus, He will secure you in the time of temptation and preserve you from it. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Don't let anyone say that the Lord is the reason for my temptation. For he is not tempted with evil, neither does he, uh, neither does he tempt with it. So the temptation comes and our hearts are susceptible because we're outside of our union and our deepest relationship with Jesus. Life has gotten us and pulled us out of our time with him. Mary was not exempt, but she was preserved. There is always a responsibility. I'm going to really emphasize this point. There's always a responsibility left us to move in the direction that secures both God's will and peace. There is always a responsibility left us to move in the direction that secures God's will and his peace. Some of us are threatened by the struggles we're facing in life. Lord, give me peace. Or Lord, navigate me back to what it is, that that area of my life that I've lost the focus of obedience in. Responsibility to move in His direction. It's so important that we take time to move in His direction. She didn't choose peace. She chose Jesus. Say that together. She chose Jesus. She didn't choose peace. You hear it all the time. Just choose peace. Choose joy. Choose love. No. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. She didn't choose peace. She chose Jesus. Indirectly, she chose the peace that came with it. You know, Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not my peace outside of myself do I give to you. I give my peace with myself. I got the amen. There we go. So I'm going to throw out a few questions here. Oh, uh, no, 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 I'm going to go a little bit further. And then lastly, Jesus said in verse 42, which will not be taken away from her. Which will not be taken away from her. As we choose Him, He sets eternal things in motion. Jesus is like, when you choose me, 
Whatever comes of that time will be an eternal flow out of your life. It doesn't just have, how many of us we eat, we get hungry again. But Jesus said, in this, when I give this, it'll be a well that's springing up into everlasting life, and there is no end to it. We miss that what God does, you can't kill. That's what Jesus is saying. What I do, what I secure in your life, you can't kill. It can never be put an end to. So I'm going to throw a few questions that people might have here. I, I really felt like that was important from last Sunday, and I'm going, to, I'm going to throw it out again this Sunday. Pastor, does this mean that my happiness is false when I let the cares and concerns of life get in the way of time with God? My answer is yes. Unless you prefer a happiness that is both temporal and outside of God's will. Pastor, are you saying I am the cause of much of my own pain emotionally and otherwise because I don't take time with Jesus? And I'm going to say yes. I suggest, by, and I'm going, to, I'm going to give a few points on this. I suggest by making him an absent part of your life, no problem left to you is or can be his fault. I think that's pretty plain. If you decided to leave him out, then whatever problems are your own. You started them. You created them. They're your fault, not his. And here's a scripture for it. in John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you exclude me, whatever you're doing falls on you. Here's another point. Nor if, you could, nor if he could providentially cure your problems with no interaction of your own, is it likely that you would not recreate them again and again? I didn't ask for your help, and so if you took them away, I would create the problem over and over again. It's human nature. Again, I must also say it is not merely your unwillingness, listen to this, to spend time with him, but the attitude to guide your own affairs that hardens your hearts against spending time with Him. I get any amens on that one? I love that thought. It's not merely your unwillingness to spend time with Him, but the attitude to guide your own affairs that hardens your heart against spending time with Him. I'm hardening my heart. Because I'm choosing to guide my own affairs. I don't pray. I don't spend time asking God to reveal to me the things that I need to know in life. And then by that, I'm hardening my heart. How do I notice it all the time. People who don't pray and they get angry because things went bad. And then they reinforce that by getting further and further away from the Lord. It's as if we want peace, but we don't want His counsel. And the scripture that goes with that in John 3, verses 19 through 20. And this is condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Now, I just want to clarify, I'm not talking about momentary or temporary time away. You know, we all have times where something happens in our life and we just didn't get to spend that time with the Lord. I'm not talking about that. That's not the, the, 
the context here, nor that all problems are self-inflicted. Not everything was began or started through you, but that you're not going to find that God is at fault for anything that's happened in your life. So in this time, it's our holiday season. And I can't help but think about how our holidays absorb our time. And Martha, I think we, we've played that role in our holiday times. we got family over. we got people coming over. we got things to do. And we're busy, 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 busy. And I don't think Jesus was trying to say to Martha, I don't want you to be busy. I think what Jesus is trying to say to Martha, I don't want anything in your life to take my place. So whatever we're doing and at this time in our holiday season, as it continues, we got more family and more people over. In your time of busyness, make sure you don't lose precious time with God. Don't lose that precious time. And I want to emphasize that in our life altogether because I feel like I feel like from a ministry standpoint, there's a lot of people who are going through stress in life. And um, and it's hard for me when I find somebody that I, I know that they're not going to take time alone with the Lord. They're not going to spend time with others with the Lord. And because of that, I really don't have any other counsel. I can't say, hey, you know, promise of God will prevail despite the fact that you won't spend time with Him. And I want to emphasize that in our time together. Let's spend time with the Lord Pray for Heather Mercy. Pray for others. Spend time in letting the Lord minister to your heart His vision for your life and what God wants to demonstrate and do through you. Don't lose out because the world and its cares have got you consumed. Please, brothers and sisters, don't lose out because of the world and its concerns. There's often times I remember those times at work where I was so busy and, and, you know, I'd even say to folks, you, you guys here in the church, and I'd say, I'm so busy, I just don't have time, I'm sorry, I, I thought I was going to do it, I forgot, you know, how busyness breeds forgetfulness, and I forgot, I'm so sorry, and, and realize that people I wanted to pray with, people that I wanted to spend time with, and time I wanted alone with the Lord, I missed those opportunities, got up in a flash and a hurry to go to work, and missed those times, and I regret every one of them. Because in, in the background, I don't know what God was going to do, but I knew the Lord wanted to do something in those times. So I'm going to say that we'll regret every moment that we didn't spend with Jesus. And think about what Mary had done. Mary had probably taken away, I wonder if this is the case. I wonder if in our life there's many opportunities and need for service where Jesus' actual justification is this. All I want you to do, there's only one thing for needful. If they don't get served, they don't get served. If they don't get taken care of, they don't get taken care of. One thing is needful. You spent devoted time with me. I wonder if that's what Jesus is saying. If you have to choose between busyness and your time with the Lord, make sure that you've made time for him. Whatever you have to rearrange in life. Now, this is the part that comes on to us. This is the part we have to do. God is not going to rearrange your schedule for you. God isn't going to change the situations you got going on in your life. You're going to have to figure out how to make this 
you are going to have to figure out how you're going to make this a priority. We can't just go there with intentions to pray. We've got to spend that time to pray. And when we do, the Lord's going to bless us. What I have often found, and I just want to share this one story with you as I'm closing here. When I was in Bible school, um, I had a, a roommate, um, and he was studious, and he spent a lot of time studying, and I tried to spend a lot of time studying, but there was a big difference between the two of us. And this is where I found this, this word for me, in part, was um, I would study some, and then I would go out in the field, and I would just go pray. And I had some phenomenal times of prayer. I had some great times with the Lord. Man, I loved it. And I remember singing some songs here one time, just sitting on the bench, and I was singing. While I was singing, the Lord just poured into me, and I just started to just break down in tears right there. And my breaking down in tears is mean I'm getting something. <laughs> I'm getting something. The Lord's like getting to some tender areas of my life. And I go into the laundry room, and I'm feeling the presence of the Lord and just that tenderness to Him while I go into that, the laundry room. And some other guys were there. And it just started. It started a, a conversation with these young men that were, it was just one that I can't hardly forget. But I remember the power of that. And I went up thinking to myself, there's hardly any way that I'm going to pass these tests because I'm not putting enough time and study on them. But you know what? I'm grateful that I spent some time with the Lord in prayer. And he, on the other hand, he had a, uh, we, we couldn't have a computer, but he had, um, I forget what they call it, but he could type it out on kind of like a typewriter. Word processor. Thank you for that. And uh, he would type it out, all of his notes. And he'd have them a little page full of notes, and he'd give them to others. And he would just study, 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 study. Well, when, when the grades came back, that poor guy was frustrated as could be. He said, I don't get it. This is what he told me. He says, I don't get it. I study more than you do, and I don't. you get as good of a grade or better than I do. And I reflected back on it and thought, the grace of God was meant to help us in the course of our life. Do you know the old song that says, what peace we often forfeit and what needless pains we bear because we do not carry everything to the Lord in prayer? That's awesome. Like, you're, you're bearing the pain when you don't have to. God wanted to absorb that in your time spent with Him. We, we say it's a relationship with the Lord, but sometimes I wonder, did really Jesus get the better part of your life? And so in the exchange, one last thing is, learn to let go of the things that your self-worth is attached to. God doesn't spare us from the emotional pain that comes when turning us away from the cares that have our hearts. Yeah, we're going to go through emotional pain because we, we got them locked in. But God has something greater for us if we'll turn away from it. I don't know what it is or it might be for you folks today, but I do feel like this is a timely message for us. Amen. It's funny when my wife's telling me something and I can't tell what she's saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, um, Isaac, I was going to have Isaac for sure this. I had forgotten to have him come up. But he had heard something on the radio the other day, and I thought this would be great for us. Here he comes. He comes with a shout. He comes with a bang. He comes with a clang. Well, I had heard something on the radio that I thought was really interesting, and so I shared it with Dad. 
um, Ray Comfort was talking to Janet Parshall when I was listening to Nerdy Radio, and uh, he had, they were talking about depression, and he had said something, and he said that a lot of people view depression as a mental illness, um, and he said it's actually the exact opposite. Um, he said life without Jesus is miserable, um, and he said that if you're in depression, you're looking at life for what it is. It's, it's miserable without Jesus. And he said that people who aren't in depression are just distracted and are worrying about other things and they don't have time to really think, what is the meaning of my life? I love that. I think that, <clears throat> I think if anything, we should be trying to put ourselves in depression if we don't know what the Lord has for us. <clears throat> the idea is if we're not connected directly to Him, we ought to be depressed. <laughs> our, or if our minds are thinking the right direction, we'd have a sense of depression. And I think that that's, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's what the Lord's just trying to speak to us, is that He's got something special for you, for all of us this morning, maybe this afternoon by this time. He's got something very special for you, and He wants you to seek His face. He wants you to draw near. <clears throat> and it seems like a simple message, but I've realized the biggest ones that hit home are the ones that are foundational to life, and we just neglect the, the easy stuff. You don't have to do something big. You just have to do something simple. <clears throat> I'm going to ask Tina to come up, um, and she's going to lead us in a time of worship. And <clears throat> as we do, I want you to take individual time. And this is something that even when she's done singing, Isaac on the back will... <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> open up some music for us. There's something very special about those who decide to spend extra time with God. And I want to invite you to do that. I'm, I'm asking you to consider doing that, whether it's for yourself or for somebody else. But take, take some time to worship the Lord this morning. Don't leave just in fellowship with brothers and sisters, but take some time before the Lord and especially if any of these things particularly, you're like, I'm that one that's burdened down. I've got a lot of stuff in my life, and I don't let the Lord have time. And it's just time to spend time with Jesus. <clears throat>